right, y'all. Welcome to episode six of Love and Color. As always, this is Eli in the studio alongside. Hey, y'all. Dr. Katrina Sanford here, too. Peace and blessings. And we have uh, a special guest with us today. Once again, I am the guest, Chris Blunt, and I am here to join in with the sadness. <laughs> Probably had a lot of feelings coming up. Sad might be one of them for sure. Today we are start. Today is episode one of our breakup series, our three-part breakup series. So today we're going to be talking about. I saw the signs. How to know when it might be time to transition a relationship. And next week, part two will be the breakup. How do you break up or how do you be broken up with? Is that right? I don't know if the the, <laughs> if, the if that was grammatically correct. Yeah. But basically how to be dumped with grace. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that's right. part of that. Grace is the key term. That is key. <laughs> and the hard part. Right. So that's going to be uh, episode two in the breakup series. And then episode three is going to be the rebound. How do you get back out here in these streets mm. and date again after maybe a heartbreak or, you know, some things went sideways in your past situation? So let's let's start with some tea, y'all. Um, as we've said before, all three of us here in the studio are fresh out of breakups. And so I want to know what is on everyone's breakup soundtrack? Well, you know, honestly, this was really hard. Um, I had a hard time narrowing it down. We narrowed it down to three, but it was hard. And I was over here right before the show talking with Chris and started changing up some stuff, too, because I was like, oh, no, that one's good. Oh, that one's good. Funny enough, though, as I was doing this um, and I I looked at, at our we have some notes that we share with each other. And I looked at Eli's before mine and his are, are like loving and soft and like, oh my gosh. And mine are like petty as shit. (laughs) They were so petty and like aggressive. And I was like, damn, maybe I need to look into that. But that is what helps me feel better. Mm. So, so on my list, I have um, Pink. She's like my favorite artist. And I have her song, So What? Okay. And she's up in that song just like, all right, so what? You broke up with me. I'm still a rock star. You know, what are you? Which is super petty and not how I normally like to respond to things, but that that's my alter ego. So I have So What with Pink. Uh, and then I went in with Lauryn Hill, X Factor. And that's just a beautiful song. Classic. Lauryn Hill's the bomb. Mm-hmm. Right? For real. And then my third one was Bust Your Windows wow. by Jasmine <laughs> Sullivan. Right. A lot, of, a lot of toxicity. A lot of toxicity. Well, and this is, this is opposite of how I work and move about in my daily life. But sometimes you just got to get the anger out. Get it out. Better out than in. Right. I'm here for this. That's what I, I, I say. It. I love it. Right. So those are mine. All right, Chris, what you got? Oh, man. I'm a mo- in a more reflective um, All right. mental state when it comes to the songs. So this one, it sounds harsher than what it is, but there's this group called Stars. It's a folky Americana group, so very, very Anglo-Saxon. And it's called Your Ex-Lover is Dead. And that song <laughs> is great. It's a beautiful song about being at peace with the breakup, I think. Um, okay. There's a line in the song that says, live through this and you won't look back. Mm, and okay. it just, it, it hit me. It hit me from a personal space and I loved it. You know, so that's a good one. Mm-hmm. It's um, from the title. It sounds like you need to be looking for a tarp and a right. shovel. I yeah, think. yeah, no, 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 no. It's okay. very Dexter. It's great, but it, it, it does mean that it's like it's kind of like at a you're at a space where you're you're good, you know. Right on. Uh, so yeah, so there's that one. Then there's Gil Scott, who's personal favorite of mine, and this song called "Better Days Ahead," and specifically, um, the acoustic version of it. it. For some reason, it's just it's more um, it's more intimate, and it, it talks about packing up your things and like everything will be good as long as we respect each other we'll have better days ahead right okay. on. it's over but it's cool you know yeah and then the last one will be this song by lady ray um known known by, by others as nicole ray from you know the missy and timberland fame and things like that i got what you want things like that so uh she has this song called peace of me and peace of me is whoo they went they went with the the 60s style 
production on it. Yeah, that beautiful. shit bang. That beat is infectious. But she is talking, oh, that hook right there. It's about a breakup. It's like, yo, I let you get a peaceful piece of me. I let you go peacefully. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's so mm. good. And it's very reflective. And it's like, it's finding that peace within that heartache. And I think that's where my mental state is right now. And mm-hmm. the music is reflected that. All right, right, all right. On. Okay, well, and for me, <laughs> my my top three, in no particular order, okay, mm. um, I have Can You Stand the Rain, yes. new edition from the Heartbreak album, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. And then, again, from new addic- a new edition, um, I'm Still in Love with You, mm. from Home Again. Yes. And then Dancing Away in Tears. Mm. By uh, this artist uh, named Yola, uh, she there she's out there in um, in the UK, and the album is called "Stand for Myself." And mm. all three of these songs are very, like, they're reflective, but more so they're get up and dance. Like maybe I'm crying while I'm dancing, but I'm mm. moving and I'm yeah. kind of it. it they're Release. they're they're upbeat because that's at least. At least for this particular breakup, that's the space that I feel like I need to be in. Like, Absolutely, reflective, but also I wanna, I wanna soothe. I wanna feel better. I don't wanna just wallow in it. Just yeah. yet. I'm not. Maybe you yeah. know, talk to me in a couple weeks. <laughs> I totally understand. <laughs> We're gonna put together a uh, a playlist and uh, with our with our top three breakup songs and mm-hmm. make it available to y'all and as always we want to hear from you share with us some of your some of your favorites yeah let us know what songs that you like um and also uh, because I'm a sucker for competition. Let us know which one of our songs slaps the most Ooh, out of yes. all three of us. Yes. <laughs> because I want to know okay. who's processing the best out of all of us. <laughs> all right, so what, what do we have? We have the, the vengeful rage, okay? Mm-hmm. We have the uh, soulful reflection. Yes, soulful and, reflection. And, and then you have the get up and dance. Mm. All right, so that's that's more or less... <laughs> How it shakes out. If I'm thinking professionally. Um, <laughs> oh, now they want to get into your professional no, bag. No, no. <laughs> Like, I've done some research in the past five minutes. No. And I realize. <laughs> no takesies, backsies. It is what it is. No, no. You know, but also, there is no perfect way to handle a breakup. However, the petty, sort of angry stuff. You know, putting that towards other people is probably not the best route right. to go. But, right. you know, what? whatever helps you release it, whatever helps you get it out and move forward, you know, do you, just as long as you're not putting that on other people. Yeah. Yes, as always, do not, we're not about externalizing here. Not at it's, all. It's always check with the internal first, right? So... With with that, since we've we've talked about our top three breakup tunes, let's pivot to our top three indicators for when to transition a relationship. Mm. Dr. Katrina, what are your top three? Yeah. Yeah. So my top top for shizzle in my top three is you see clear signs that this person is not interested or willing to make changes to some of the more negative stuff that's popping up in the relationship. And especially if they have stated they will make changes and you're not seeing nothing. Mm. You just, just crickets. That's my top. Cause you know, previous behavior often is a reflection of what future behavior is going to look like. Cause people really have a hard time changing. So, you know, I keep that in mind, and I think everyone else should keep that in mind. You know, if someone's not willing to make changes, you know, maybe they're not interested in it, they don't feel like it's it's worth it or it doesn't bother them, then that's something to think about. My second one is, you know, you're seeing a lot of dishonesty, lying, and deceitful behavior popping up. That stuff's not doesn't change easily either. So that's my second one. And then the third one is, you know, you having a bunch of problems and and you're having a hard time figuring it out and then your partner refuses to go to therapy or a healer or have a conversation to work through some individual relationship issues, that's a clear sign to me that maybe things aren't aren't going to move forward in a good way. So that's my top 3. Mm. Good good picks. Chris what about, what about you? 
Um, actually, to piggyback off what what Dr. Katrina just said, it's it's pretty much the same thing. Like if you're if you're noticing more uh, evolution in your 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 relationship or your state of who you are, if that person's not willing to try to adjust with you or grow with you, then that's an obvious problem. A lot of times, it's noticing red flags that you may not have picked up earlier, and then coming to acceptance of oh, this is something that I can deal with or this is something that I cannot deal with and I need to address this and how, you know, how that person responds. I often found that when you place a boundary on someone, their response tells you all that you need to know. You know, um, one of the best ways to show respect for a partner is when they give you a boundary, you respect it gracefully. You may not like it, but, you know, you respect it gracefully. And sometimes you have to pay attention to how it is uh, when you give a boundary to someone and how they react. Because a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, letting people talk is the best way to find out the truth. I've always said no one really lies to you. Everybody tells you who they are, whether you, they want to or not. So that's one of the things that I think is very important uh, when noticing some cracks in the circle. And another thing, you know, just we all have breaks in communication. We all, like, good relationships and bad relationships. But breaks in communication and how you respond to the breaks in communication that is a big thing. Those are my three. Right on. I want to <clears throat> I want to circle back to two things that you said before I go on to my top 3. You said you you mentioned red flags. And I want to I want to talk about that mm-hmm. in a little bit more detail later. Okay. Um and I want to talk about red flags um in the context of relationship boundaries. So I'm just saying mm. let's put a pin yeah. in oh, that. I, like I definitely that. want to come back to that. Yeah, we will. And then you said something else about how people will always tell you. Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that. And not only do I believe that people will always tell you who they are, I believe that they will do so early in the relationship. 100%. It's just Absolutely. that it usually happens at a time when most people are so flooded with NRE that it's easy to miss those early indicators. All right. So on that, I agree with you. I have been judged for this. I've been called out for this. This is a hot take of mine. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> fuck NRE. And the reason why yeah. I New say fuck relationship NRE. energy Hell for those yeah, of you who aren't aware of what that means. Yeah. Because I think it's one of the things where I always say passion is the drag queen of emotions. And so you get, because it's, it's <laughs> yes, it is, it is out there. It is abrasive. It is, it's, it's performative. Almost, oh, okay. Right? It is, it's bold. Right? I love, first of all, shout out to drag queens. Love drag queens. Love them all, right? But we, let's, let's, it's, it's a performance measure. Right. Okay. You know what I'm saying? It, let's let's not be real. It's a performance measure. I'm glad you explained that. Right. Yeah, I, was I was confused. No, waiting no, no. for the dots to No, no, no. Oh, like, God. shit. <laughs> you got to fuck with some drag queens. Them, shit, them shows are banging. Yeah, and they in the are. culture in general. But let's. But it's, it is understood in the culture that this is a performance. Right. This is an exaggerated look at anything. Right? When they're doing these impressions, it's an exaggerated look. And I feel like that's how... Uh, NRE kind of kind of puts love at this exaggerated phase. You know, it's it's overly romantic, and we all know romance is romanticized. You know what I'm saying? So right. a lot of times it's very much like you know that fast food shit. Like it's real quick, and you get it real quick. But like honestly, if you let that shit marinate, and I'm saying this probably because I'm hungry, but if you let <laughs> let a relationship marinate and let it sit for a minute and then bake it, it it becomes a more organic feel. Absolutely. Like, all the relationships, the most successful relationships that I've ever had have taken time. It's never the, mm-hmm. oh, I saw her and immediately, immediately we were in love right. forever. Right. You know what I'm it's saying? That, it's that slow burn when there, when there's yeah. enough runway to get to know each other and have things in a, in a sort of stable, sustainable way. Exactly. Yeah, and we're definitely going to lean into that heavily in part three of the breakup series when we yeah. when we talk about the the rebound yeah <laughs> and it's and how to when you're just starting to um get back out in the dating world and how to manage those new relationship yeah. feelings um that can you know really yeah. be and, wonderful but blinding and some people are in love with the high and I think that's part of it because there's yeah. it is there's mm-hmm. um it's chemically linked that it feels like. A rush. Oh yeah, yeah. Oxytocin. Oxytocin. Yeah, that's the it love feels like hormone. A rush. 
And so when that high wears off, they may treat you differently. Right. You know, or when that high wears off, you you have to adjust. Yeah, That's right. why I feel like friendship has to be a base when it mm. comes to relationship because we give each other a lot more grace as friends more than we would give a relationship. That is true. Yeah, there's there's a there's all types of, outside of sex, there's all types of performance anxiety. You have to be, you know, the 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 charismatic, bubbly person sometimes, or they have to be the sexy siren all the time because that when you met them and we were excited with the NRE, that's how you came off. So when it's not like that, they'll be like, oh, well, you don't do this anymore. And then you're in your head talking about how you're not the same boyfriend you used to be or the same right. girlfriend you used to be, right. same partner. Because that level yeah. just wasn't yeah. sustainable. Yeah, I mean, the you, same partner for everybody. You started right? at a level 10, bro. You exactly. gave yourself nowhere to go. And anyway. There's, and there's no empathy. <laughs> There's, right. there's not a lot of empathy there because right. they're feeling like, oh, I've been wronged because you are different or right. you are struggling. Right. I feel wronged. Right. And I think that's one of the things that we don't do that to our friends. We don't do that. When our friends are struggling, we're like, yo, man, what's good, dog? You good? Well, there are a you whole know? different yeah. set of expectations yeah. with friends. And we friends. have to adjust those expectations. I yeah. think that that is a problem. We don't, we don't approach a lot of relationships with, not saying we, but people in general don't approach a lot of relationships off the basis of friendships. I know some people that date people they would never be friends with. Yeah. I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I understand that. Yeah, yeah that sure. definitely happens. Well, let's not let's not get too far afield. We gotta save something for, for the, the last episode in the yes. in the series. Let's hear your top but you, three. But you see what we're where we're building towards here anyway. Absolutely. Very so, passionate. <laughs> so my top three for when to transition a relationship. Um sex changes. And by that, I mean, it, it can mean a lot of things. It's either the frequency changes, like it used to be, uh, maybe not frequent, but it used to be regular, and now it's not. Or the sex itself feels different. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't feel like the person is present, or it feels like you're just rushing through it or going through the motions. Um, so that that, for me, is usually... Uh, a canary in the coal mine, if you will. Mm-hmm. So when when the sex starts changing, that's when I start raising an eyebrow, like, mm, hold up, and I start <laughs> paying paying a little attention, a little bit more attention to to other things. Uh, so the other the other two, and these two are in no particular order. Uh, the conversations are not productive. So you find yourself having these arguments or these processing sessions and you know you've maybe talked for an hour or two hours and then you're done and you're exhausted and you're saying to yourself what what did we talk about did (laughs) did we come to any kind of agreement or was anything clarified or Mm -hmm. were we just talking in circles and yelling for two hours for Mm. nothing right right that's that's usually uh, (laughs) Another um, eyebrow raise for me. And then the, the, the last one on my list, and this goes back to what Chris was saying about the red flags. But if I find that my stated boundaries are regular, regularly being pushed or violated, that for me is a major indication that I need to step back and start thinking about transitioning. And I I struggled. I went back and forth with myself when I was working on the outline. Just to give you a little bit of background on, on process here for me, I went back and forth doing this outline about whether to talk about boundaries or red flags. Initially, it was red flags, but then I said to myself, what do I mean by red flags? And red flags for me means here are things that I have decided on the outset that are important to me. And when those things are not happening, they're indicators for me that I'm not getting what I want. And really those red flags more precisely are are boundaries they are things like i want to feel prioritized and if i'm not feeling prioritized then i need to go somewhere where i am feeling prioritized mm-hmm. so so the yes they are red flags what what i am talking about are also red flags i just for me I kind of honed in a little bit more tightly 
on what red flags meant for me. Mm. So I'm talking about things in terms of boundaries, but you can easily substitute boundaries for red flags, and they, they more or less mean the same thing. I think they definitely go hand in hand. Right. Uh, I think there are certain things that we obviously— Or we, relationship expectations. Yeah, relationship right? expectations. I think there are certain things that happen and when someone says something or does something, and you kind of chalk it up to, uh, we give we get we excuse a lot of things because we like people, mm-hmm. you know. So so we'll ignore a red flag, right? Or we we'll ignore something that that goes against our immediate beliefs or, or morals because it's like, oh well, they're just working it through, right? Or they're they're nice, and you're looking at all the the nice things. Well, and that brings me <clears throat> to the the last and final piece mm. of my calculation. So I gave you my top three, right? My top three indicators. Mm-hmm. But the the sort of three and a half, if you will, is the math. Because <clears throat> if these things, if if the, the sex changes or the non-productive conversations or the boundary pushing is happening and, you know, maybe it's around a time frame where the other person lost their job or like something is going on in that person's life and this is not the norm i'm going to i'm going to give that situation a little bit more leeway however if i'm doing the math and i find for every one good moment i'm having with this person there are six tough moments yeah. There are six moments where one of these three things or all of these three things mm-hmm. are happening. I'm, it, it's the balance that really is going to right. trigger my, my deeper evaluation into you know, whether it is time to transition. Even if it's 50-50, even if it's you know, one good moment for every one tough moment, 50-50 is not enough. For me, my yeah. personal ratio has to be like it's it's 90, 10 or 80, 20 if times are hard, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But if, if it starts creeping up to 50 percent struggle, 50 percent good times. No, a wash is a loss as far as I'm concerned. So so for me, it's the indicators and the, the ratio of happy to hard. Okay, that's yep. a good one. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I think um, a lot of us... So here's the thing with relationships, right? We see, like, The Little Mermaid, which happens to be my favorite childhood movie. Um, I feel or, like we're learning a lot about Dr. Katrina today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, we see that a movie like that, and we're like, oh, love's supposed to be blissful, right? It's supposed to be beautiful, and we're just, like, completely in love, and we conquer these things to be in love and that with love comes hard times. And although that's true, I think that many of us are so used to things being hard that we allow our relationships to be harder than they actually should be for what we need and want in our lives. Right. So I, I like you using the math. I also you also can think about it as putting money in a bank, right? Deposits, like positive deposits that you're putting in your relationship to ensure that the bank is full and you have your savings set, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to continuing to take money out. And taking money out would be like, you know, not crossing your partner's boundaries, not following through with things you said you were going to do, right? All of those things contribute to how much money you have in the bank. Um, which goes in hand with what you were saying, Eli, like, you know, where's the the pleasure versus the like not pleasurable and where's that balance? And it's been it's been funny because, you know, as I've been going through this breakup and, you know, the last like five years of sort of seeing my needs and them not getting mad and recognizing that I need them, you know, I started recognizing that 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 I'm, I'm going to call it the pleasure principle um, that you were talking about here was not happening for me in one of my relationships. Right. And right. and recognizing that and being like, damn, I've been sitting here just being unhappy like this, sometimes not recognizing it, but other times, yes, recognizing it and just being like, no, nah, this ain't right. This isn't this isn't what I want for me. And I, I think my 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 wife also recognized that as well. 
You know, sometimes you're just too different or your trauma is just not able to go well with somebody else's trauma. Right. Yeah, I think that at our age, especially with adulthood, we are all survivors of trauma. And we're all processing in our own way. Absolutely. With breakups, especially when you're noticing a lot more cracks in your relationship, a lot of times it's maybe based on your personal trauma and or growth. I think that a lot of times it's like, oh, yeah, you changed. Yes, I did change. I should. Yes. (laughs) We did change. Absolutely. And And either we're going to be able to change and grow together Mm -hmm. or the change and the growth is going to cause a divergence. That is correct. And Mm -hmm. sometimes that happens. That genuinely happens. But it, I think it comes down to grace and communication mm-hmm. because we're all going to change. I've been with my wife for 20 years. We are not, oh, wow. we are not the same as we were in 2001. <laughs> you know, like right. I, yeah. I'm 40, yo. We went at 20. Like, so, so we're not the same people. She's not. I'm not. But the, the big difference is communication. You know, people have mm-hmm. gotten people have gotten married and divorced in the time we've been together. Right. But and we're not better than them. But what we did, what we only thing we did do is we had communication. And that was the main thing. She's changed. In certain ways she's changed in ways that were hard for me to accept and, and vice versa. You know, and but it comes down to at the core of it, do you have empathy for this person? Do you have grace? Will you put your pride to the side to do the work? Because a lot of times when we have relationship issues, we damn the relationship before we even could fix it. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. guess this shit's done, and it's a waiting game. And then it becomes all the things that they say are driven to the, we Fox News our relationships. You know what I'm saying? It's like, she just asked for eggs. Is she a terrorist? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and that, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a good point. It's, you know, you, you relationships are work. Yeah. But they are also supposed to be places of love and support and comfort. And so how do you know mm-hmm. when work is too much work? When you are, because every relationship mm. takes effort, but when you're putting in effort and you're being as transparent and also uh, the word I'm looking for, uh, transparent and also um, vulnerable, if you are mm-hmm. being transparent and vulnerable and that person is not re- reacting to your transparency and vulnerability, then you have a problem because that person doesn't like you. Right. Well, that well, that's you know? that's a, and I've definitely been in a relationship yeah. like that before where it's where <laughs> just even the the sound of that person calling my name, mm. it sounds like a like a like a curse word, you know, mm-hmm. and you just cringe like, yeah. "Oh man, what do I do now?" I honestly think that <laughs> that my my honest opinion is that there's no quote unquote magic when it comes to certain relationships. Like you, you either put in the work or you don't. Right. Um, and the person can honestly not respect you, not like you, or, or or not be attracted to you because you no longer provide a need for them. You no longer provide a service for them. So you can, but you have to be able to be vulnerable enough to put yourself out there and be like, "Hey, I need this," because closed mouths don't get fed, right? So this is true. Yeah. So when you state the things like, listen, like, because if we all do the the villainy thing, like lash out because we're not happy, it makes it easy for the breakup. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah well, fucking that person was an asshole. But if you're like, hey, listen, I need these things. I'm coming to you humbly vulnerable. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't turn around vulnerable, vulnerability. Uh, you can't you... villainize it. You would be surprised. People do it, but like if you if you recognize like because there's there's a way of like, for me I'm I'm all about accountability. Accountability is the shit. Yep. So it's like, hey, listen, I know that I'm not perfect at this. We are obviously missing the missing the mark on certain things. Let's discuss what we can do to make our to um to make life easier for each other. Because at the end of the day, or at the basis of this all, I love you and I care for you, and I want us to live our best lives together. Well, that that best lives bit, that Mm -hmm. ties back to something Dr. Katrina said earlier that I want to follow up on before we transition this conversation Mm -hmm. to talking about relationship boundaries and expectations. You said something uh, about not being happy Mm. for a while in one of your relationships. I'm assuming it's in the relationship that has now ended. 
Well, or, you know, we had a triad, so things were a little bumpy in general. Gotcha. But definitely mostly in the relationship that ended. Okay. So my question to you is, you know, both from your personal perspective and as a therapist, and this this might sound like a basic question, but I don't actually think it is. How does one know when one is unhappy? Mm-hmm. in a relationship? That's a good question. That's a really good question, actually. And one that I have been processing more over the last, like, year or so. You know, I think the one thing to recognize is that we often put our happiness on other people. Like, it's your job as my partner to make me happy. And that stuff is, in my opinion, toxic. Because... We, we don't learn that we are the makers of our own happiness. And so I can say that it was my partner that was making me unhappy because of her behavior and our, you know, disagreements and the fact that we just had a really hard time understanding each other's point of view. I could say that, but it is actually not her fault that I wasn't happy. Like, it, it was on me. Because, one, I was going through a lot of stuff, um, at least the last five years. You know, my father passed away, so I was dealing with grief and um, transitioning in my career and trying to figure out how to do that and what I wanted and needed. And and so I personally was unhappy because of the way that my life was going. And I didn't take a better hold on that. What I did was hold on to all the things that I felt like she was doing wrong all the things that were hurtful, mm. you know, asking myself, why does she not love me? Why can't she do this? All of these things that like really actually don't matter because what matters is what I'm doing for me, how I'm supporting my health, my well-being, and my happiness. Um, so to know that you're not unhappy is really to reflect and look inward. You know, what's going on with you? Because so there, there is this, this idea that, like, we focus so much on the external world, right? Like, traffic is making me angry. And that person over there just did a, a freaking microaggression towards me. And the world is racist, Right. And that stuff is true, All for true. sure, right? <laughs> yeah. But external things are going to be kind of messed up and, and not work out well for us. And so we can't focus as much on the external world and all the things that are happening negatively outside of that. We have to ground ourselves in ourselves and figure out how we can support our well-being and our happiness. And to do that, I think that involves holistic self-care, you know, how how are you taking care of yourself physically? Are you exercising? Are you eating healthy? That stuff affects our mood. How, you know, what's going on with your mind? Are you getting stuck in negative thoughts? Are you not allowing yourself to release some of the stuff that's happened in the past? Are you not sorting through your trauma and being aware of your negative patterns so you can stop doing them? And then spiritually, and I say spirit because I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about our internal spirit, our soul, like at the core, how are you cultivating and working through the things that come up for you spiritually? You know, do you have an altar? Do you pray? What what things do you do to support your well-being in all of these areas? And I promise you, if you take more time to focus in on those things and making yourself feel better, that you will be happier. And all of that external stuff is not going to feel as significant as it has in the past. So, well, I mean, that that begs the question then. And I, I agree. It's always good to look internally first before you start trying to fix or or impact things externally Mm -hmm. but so so let's say that you are doing those self-care measures you're you're meditating you're making time for yourself and your hobbies and your friends how I mean the question still remains like how do you know when you are unhappy in your relationship because some folks will I don't know, for lack of a better word, like disassociate. 
mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from their emotions. You know, when it comes to unpleasant things like being unhappy with a partner maybe that you've been with for years and you're not really able <laughs> to face the fact that things aren't working, what might be some indicators for that person who is trying to disassociate that, hey, maybe maybe you might be unhappy. Maybe mm-hmm. there is something going on there for you to investigate. This is a reminder of something that you said on the very first episode mm. of this podcast. You said you can't just set it and forget it. Right. And I think the lack of the check-in is an indicator that things may not be going well. A lot mm. of times, especially when it comes to being ethically non-monogamous, right. check-in is the most important factor, really. You have to have that communication. You have to be like, hey, how's everything going? Because there's so many moving pieces right. that we have to be uh, cognizant of each other's emotions. Yeah. So when we stop checking in, whether because, you know, life, right? Like, we all have our routine, you know, so we don't check in. And feelings form, yep. negative and positive. Mm-hmm. So, and right. miscommunication is birth in, <laughs> in, um, in not checking in. That's a good one. So I think that's yeah. that's one of the indicators for me. Like when yeah. we stop doing the check in, we stop. Yeah. Th- there's no there's the lack of care. Yeah. In the sense yeah. of, hey, how are you feeling? Yeah. How are you feeling about this relationship? When you don't want to be like, oh, let's just not talk about it. It's too heavy right now. Yeah. When you when you when you when you ignore those conversations. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes more of a problem. I I agree. And and for me, I notice that little things within myself, like maybe I. I start not being so excited to see the person. Yep. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, their name pops up on my phone, on my caller ID, and a pit forms in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I start feeling anxious. Like, oh, what is this conversation going to be? Like, I'm, this is going to be upsetting. I'm not looking forward mm-hmm. to this at all. That's, that's <laughs> usually an indication that I'm unhappy and I'm not, you know, dealing with something. Um, yeah. Yeah. When you notice that you're not present focused, you know, that that's when I'm sort of with the that, when you're with that person. Yeah. yeah. That you were talking about, yeah. like, I'm here, but I actually don't want to be here. So right. I'm distracted and thinking about other things or doing other things and right. not really enjoying the moment with that person. Another indication uh, I, I've had in the past, not, you know, certainly not in in this past relationship, Queen B and I broke up for completely different reasons. But another feeling I've had in the past is being concerned about breaking up with someone because of their feelings. You know, like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I think about it, like, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not feeling great about the relationship anymore, but I'm like, oh, well, so-and-so, like, oh, they don't really have any other supports or they're having a hard time now. I can't. And, and when I start thinking about that other, like putting that other person's happiness as the reason for maintaining the relationship, mm-hmm. that's also an indicator. Oh, maybe I'm not happy. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I'm, it's, I'm not even, I'm not going on this date with this person because I'm juiced to hear about their day and spend time with them. It's, it's, it's a sense of obligation almost. Mm-hmm. It's holding space for feelings when you're, you're ignoring your own. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So those, those are some of the, I, some of the, the internal red flags, if you will, that I I have that trigger me to look deeply into yeah. whether I'm really happy and whether I start need to start making moves. I and don't... yeah, we're we're also curious to hear from you guys. You know what? So what are your internal red flags or fire alarms that start going off? But Chris, you were saying? No, I say I have a question for both of you. Mm. Is there a sense of guilt for thinking that way? in the sense of holding space for their feelings, because by holding space for their feelings, you are actively ignoring your own. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think for me, that's what I went yeah, through. Yeah. I went mm-hmm. through a lot of guilt because mm-hmm. I felt the way, and I was like, well, they don't seem angry. But not knowing that you're internalizing your own abuse. Right. You know? And yeah, it's that's just, real right there. Yeah, and you have to take a look at yourself. And ultimately, when when there are decisions to be made, it has to be made... To advocate for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I think another thing that we can add is, you know, it, it's a little different in poly relationships, um, but it still is possible. But when you're thinking consistently about cheating, 
and and monogamous, right? Like specifically monogamous cheating. But you know, believe it or not, y'all, you can cheat in poly relationships. Absolutely, absolutely. Just yeah. know that it, it doesn't <laughs> disappear just because you're open. Mm. Um, oh God. But yeah. So, and I'm not saying like being attracted to other people, right? Like that happens. We're we're sexual beings. We're gonna be attracted to other people regardless of what kind of relationship style we're in. However, when you notice that you extra flirty with that person at work and you send in text messages that, you know, if your partner saw were probably, you know, a bit inappropriate. I think I, I think I have an umbrella for that behavior. Okay. Let's hear it. Self-destructive behavior. Mm. Any because t- that what you're mm. talking about is 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 self is sabotaging. Right. So the that sabotaging behavior could be anything. It could be it could be sending the text. It could be the extra flirty behavior. Yeah. It could be flirting with someone who you know is out of bounds per an agreement. Because what you're trying to do mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. blow that relationship yeah. up. Mm-hmm. So once you find yourself engaging in self-destructive behaviors of any kind, that's right. usually like, oh wait, what? Am, why, why am I doing this? Right. Right. And, and staying away from conversations about said behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Hiding that stuff. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So now that we've talked about, you know, our, our, our top indicators and some, some, some indicators that might, <laughs> that might be, uh, it might be time to think about transitioning. Let's talk about how do we get there when we in the beginning of this conversation we talked about boundaries and relationship expectations and red flags but you can only engage with those things if you know what they are and it's really only fair if there is some sort of communication of what those expectations and what those boundaries are with your partner. Because if your partner or partners don't know that you have what your expectation around communication is, and then they don't meet that expectation, it's not necessarily fair to transition the relationship because they are not meeting that expectation because you haven't clearly stated mm-hmm. that expectation to them. Right. And as far as, I mean, unless you're dating Miss Cleo, and I don't even <laughs> know, I haven't heard from Miss Cleo lately. I don't know where she is. But unless you're dating Miss Cleo, I'm going to assume that your partners can't read your mind. So let's talk about, you know, how do you clarify what your boundaries and expectations are and then also how do you express those boundaries and expectations and red flags to your partner yeah. i generally like starting fights over nothing i think that <laughs> no, i'm joking no, oh, oh, I'm not talking. that's one way, no, okay. that's one way. you way. put the no. butter back wrong yeah <laughs> like that's why you know you're... something ain't right exactly you know you something ain't right that. it's like yeah right. the way you pass that knife reminds me of how distant you are in our relationship <laughs> um, <so. laughs> Oh my gosh! Way to find a moment though oh, to shit. bring yeah. up the conversation. Oh, yeah. You got to do it. Wow. You got to do it. Uh, but no, I think it's like I said. It goes back to kind of having that checkup. I think having these checkups are important to state the positive and the, um, the not so positive, right? I but, think it goes before the checkup even yeah. because, I, in in my opinion, I think that a lot mm-hmm. of these things need to be communicated early on. And stop. Yeah. Not not after. I mean, some sometimes. For certain things, things you, pop up. Things pop up, and yeah. you're not going to be able to anticipate mm-hmm. every possible scenario. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, like, I, I think you can express what you want generally in the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah. Generally, Absolutely. truthfulness matters to me. Yeah. Generally, regular communication every couple days matters to me. Yeah. Like, and these are things that I tell people mm-hmm. from the outset. Do you right. think that I feel like as we get more experience with dating, mm-hmm. we learn to ask better questions are questions that are directed towards our past trauma. Yeah. Yes. Like there are a set of questions I used to ask in the beginning that I totally do not ask anymore because that doesn't matter to me. I ask for the things that directly matter to me and I ask questions and I answer questions. I find myself answering questions 
from that person's experience. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people may not care about certain things, and then it's like, well, how do you feel about loyalty? That means they usually had an issue with loyalty in the past. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. how do you feel about this? And I'm like, oh, and that gives me insight to what what their issue is, yeah, or what their concern is. And I think that's, that's definitely important. Yeah, previous relationships help us figure out what it is we need and what boundaries we have. And then, you know, making sure that after each relationship, you take some time to reflect. And I'm not saying take time to lament and ruminate over everything that happened and all the negative stuff, but reflect. Reflect on the things that didn't feel good to you, Mm -hmm. how you responded when those things happened, and how you contributed to the negative dynamics so that you can move into your next relationship better and more clear. And that that's something that I think is super important to communicate your boundaries is clearly, mm-hmm. you know, if the person doesn't understand, don't get frustrated. Ha- you know, have them reframe, have them re-ask a question, you know, or or you continue to reframe and keep explaining it until they get it because it's really important um, that that our partners understand clearly what it is we're expecting because especially if you explain it clearly then you then know if they cross that boundary they just didn't give a fuck at that point you know for some reason or another yeah the message is loud and clear right right i agree and be concise you know, don't talk for hours. Mm-hmm. A lot of couples, you know, I, I see a lot of couples who have arguments for hours, and I have to be like, y'all, y'all can't do that, man. Like, first of all, you have a, a conversation for hours where everyone's upset. Emotionally, when we're in our emotions, we're not using our frontal lobe, which helps us make decisions and have executive functioning and figure out how we want to say what we want to say and what we actually feel. So if you're having conversations for hours that's sort of like what Eli was talking about, you know, about sort of just having the um, circular. Yeah, circular conversation where you're just like, I don't even know what we talked about today. Um, it, so be be concise and also be open, you know, and this is what Chris was talking about, vulnerability. And if for some reason you don't feel comfortable being vulnerable with that person, first check in on yourself. You know, is it something with you that's making it difficult for you to be vulnerable? Right. Is, is, it, is it that person? And if it's that person, then that's a conversation to have because it's truly important for us to be able to really connect with people on an intimate level. If that's what you want in a relationship, you, you really need to find a way to be, a, be vulnerable and show up as that self without judgment from yourself and hopefully without judgment from your partner. Mm-hmm. So I guess what we're saying is this is a conversation. The the conversation about relationship boundaries and expectations is something that needs to happen more than once. It's it's good to have it in the beginning stages of a conver- of a relationship. So just frame it from the outset. Mm-hmm. Here is who I am, here is what I want, here is where my edges, here's where my boundaries are. But then expect that things might pop up that might be unanticipated, that you might not, might not fit clearly or, or neatly into your previously stated mm-hmm. expectations. Or mm-hmm. expect that your expectations may change over time. Because, mm-hmm. right, it, what, what do they say? A person never steps into the same river twice because mm-hmm. they're never the same person and it's never the same river. It's, mm-hmm. it's the same mm-hmm. thing with relationships. And, and to Chris's point, that's where the check-ins are important, mm-hmm. right? Hey, I, I know that we said this about um, condoms and sex with new partners, but that was six months ago. Where are you with this now? Mm-hmm. You know, th- it's it's okay Checking in on a boundary doesn't mm-hmm. mean you're pushing it. It's, yes, it's right. okay to check in and to talk um, because you know we we change. You know, Chris and his wife have been together for twenty years and they're not the same people, and so it's reasonable to assume that as they change and grow as people, what they want and expect out of a relationship is also going to grow and change. One hundred percent. 
So Mm -hmm. as you are going into relationships, it's important to think about what your expectations are, what those boundaries are, what your red flags, flags are. Communicate that clearly, concisely, and openly with your prospective partner or partners. And then, because you can't set it and forget it, continue to check in about those boundaries and those expectations. And then you know that, hey, I, I said it in the beginning, and I said it six months ago, and I said it two months ago, and this person is still not hearing me on this. Yeah. Right? Because then, then you know, hey, I've done all that I could do. Mm-hmm. All I could do is clearly state my boundaries, and this is still not working out. And so that leads me to the next the next thing, and that is after you you have done the self-reflection and you know what your boundaries and your expectations are, and then you've done the work to clearly, concisely, and openly communicate those expectations to your partner, partners, how many ever, and those expectations are still not being met. Those boundaries are still being transgressed. Those red flags are still waving in the wind. How do you know when to compromise or when to push yourself back from the table and say enough? Yeah. That's often the part that I struggle with, with relationships because it's like, you know, you understand that you do have to work, but it's like, I don't want to work too much. My ancestors did not put me here to be miserable. I'm here That's to right. live my best life. <laughs> That's right. Okay? Yeah. I, you know, I think one thing that's important, and it's always the reflection on yourself. Have you tried to see things from the other person's point of view? You know, or, and, and erase judgment. And, and use some logic to a certain degree because we get so stuck in our emotions, you know. Our emotions pop up and you're upset now and you're mad at this thing. But actually this thing that you're mad at, if you listen to your partner, is actually kind of logical. It makes sense, at, at least for them. And that's what's important is that everybody's different. So if this makes sense for them, you know, is there some way that you can find a compromise with some of the stuff that's coming up? Or is it like, no, I can't compromise on that. That hurts too much and I'm not doing it, which is fair, you know, but that balance is hard. But what I'm saying is, you know, instead of sitting in our emotions, make sure that you're also using the other part of our brain that is we're so lucky as humans to be able to have our frontal lobe and be able to have abstract thinking because a lot of other species in the animal kingdom don't have that in the same way. So we should use it. In my opinion. (laughs) I think it's important to note that if you are invested in your relationship enough and you are finding it hard to be as communicative or having a problem with um, getting along or whatever, I I do think that therapy helps, like relationship counseling. Um, Because it's a lot of times, you know, we're, we're all in our own thoughts and we can both be stubborn, you know, in anything. And it's good to have like an outside unbiased source to talk to, to help clarify things. Because a lot of times it's just about clarification. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, right. oh, okay, I didn't know you meant it like that. But And, you know, when you hear it put in a certain way or when you give each other space, because there's something about being in a therapy session. <laughs> you you really, you have, to, you're, you have to allow that space for them to speak or break down something. And I think it's important for mm-hmm. that um, to sure. help each other grow. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I agree. Yeah, I, yes. <laughs> you're a little biased on that, but that's okay. And also, it helps you find out, like, hey, this isn't the relationship for me. Yeah, you can you can go to therapy, and in the process of therapy, go, you know what? Yeah, this ain't gonna work. And if yeah. it ain't gonna work, it ain't gonna work. Yeah. And if yeah. things are popping up sooner rather than later, y'all go to therapy. Don't wait for years, you know, because I see a lot of couples that come to me in crisis mode. And I'm like, well, what do we do here, y'all? This is like a significant crisis, and this is going to be hard to get over. Yeah. So don't don't think it's a bad thing to go to therapy early on in your relationship. You know, it's it's really important. It is having another individual who is neutral hear both sides and try to support you all in understanding each other's languages and what you need. 
and there is nothing wrong with that. Right. Going to therapy does not mean in and of itself that something is wrong right. no. with you or your relationship. Exactly. If anything, it means that you are working together to try to fix it. And yeah. thoughtful enough. And thoughtful. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. And as a success story of therapy, therapy helps. Oh, it absolutely. Really does. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, when I'm trying to determine whether to compromise or to hold fast, as I said before, a big part of my calculation is the the pleasure ratio, <laughs> right? And And there are also some things that are just hard no's. Just, just, it doesn't even matter if it happens once or if it happens three times. It, it doesn't matter. Like if it happens at all, mm-hmm. it's yeah. a hard no. Absolutely. And there, there are a few automatic kill switches like that for me. Mm-hmm. And I communicate what those kill switches are yeah. up front because it's only fair. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, hey, there, there's, there is no compromise on this. Mm-hmm. If you harm my body... You harm someone that I love. It's automatic, like yeah, yeah no absolutely. compromise. Safe, definitely safety <laughs> measures. So, yeah, they, there are just some things that are hard and fast, yeah. and those things are communicated clearly. But for most other things, it's a balance. And and if I find that things are out of balance, I'm going to do a few things to try and get them back in balance. And those things are create dedicated communication time. Because if I find that, you know, every time we're together, we're processing a problem, you know, we're, we're not, that's not going to work for me. But if, so then I'll, I'll, what I've, what I did in both of my relationships and now I still in my remaining relationship, I have, we have a regular check-in once a month Mm. and as things come up, I'm just like, okay, you know, add that to the list and we're going to talk about it and we have a set time date we know we're going to talk about it it's on the calendar mm-hmm. we can relax and and have our time together actually be time together mm-hmm. we don't have to process because we know we have that time to process yeah the other thing is make intentional time for fun you know it sounds corny but hey a date night or a sex night have something that you are planning and looking forward to together again to try and change that balance of the fun Right. Because if you know we have a date coming in two weeks and you're planning the date and you're looking forward to the date, it's all that fun, all that anticipation. And then, you know, later on in the month when you have your processing session, well, you've had some good times, you know, Mm -hmm. to buffer whatever hard emotional stuff is going on. Uh, The other thing is address any structural issues. Sometimes there there might be something going on in your life or that person's life logistically that needs to be addressed. You know, maybe they're having uh, some housing insecurity. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, it's going to be hard for them to really show up and be present if they're wondering, like, am I going to have a roof over my head in two weeks? So sometimes you need to just make it not about you and pivot to, okay, how how can I support this person in addressing this structural issue so that other things over here can be good, right? Yeah. Um, And then, of course... (laughs) When therapy, right? Like that, (laughs) working therapy into that. And then, you know, if if I've done all those things, if I've made the time for intentional conversations, made the time for fun, addressed any structural issues, gone to therapy, and and the balance of pleasure to problems is still off for me, then I'm out. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I feel those. And how long I plan how long of a runway I plan to give mm-hmm. the situation will depend on the the sort of the length and the seriousness of the relationship yeah and also the seriousness of the boundary or expectation of god I'm going to say violation for lack of a better word <laughs> I can see why that's a complicated word violation yeah yeah, yeah. definitely yeah Additionally, I mean, I think just awareness all the time, everybody, like, how are you contributing to the issue? You know, take that reflection, because when there's two people together, you know, it does take two. And it's not just that person's fault. You know, they may have a behavior pop up 
that's not cool and it bothers you, but then, you know, how are you contributing to what's happening in the relationship? Right. And if you reflect and you're like, actually, I, I'm not so sure I'm contributing so hardcore to this, and you've had a conversation with your partner, then, you know, you can move forward, you know, really being like, okay, like, nah, this, this, this ain't happening, this ain't good, and this doesn't feel like it's completely on me, so I'm going to move on. Right. Because mm. some of us be out here, we be setting boundaries, which is good, good. But then we're not clear about our boundaries or we're inconsistent with our boundaries. Right. Like, it's really important when you set a boundary, you got to maintain that. So be and very clear. Mm-hmm. It is hard. But is. how else... How else does the other person get it unless you maintain that boundary and are steadfast about it? You're absolutely right. Um, the, the other thing is, and I think this part, this part is what keeps people in relationships longer than they should. They look at it and they're like, well, when things are good, they're really good. Mm-hmm. And I just, yeah. I, mm. I, I, I know that things can be good again. bro." Are you okay with how they are right now? If if you never had another one of those good moments, are right. you okay mm. if it was like this right. forever? Yeah. Because you, you're not guaranteed change in the future. All you're guaranteed is this moment. It's true. And if, if, if you're okay being unhappy <laughs> like this for a lifetime, then go ahead and stay. Yeah. But if you're not, then maybe don't stay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe think about transitioning. And notice I'm, we're using the word transitioning very intentional, intention, intentionally here because we're not necessarily saying a relationship needs to end. Maybe y- y'all just don't need to be romantically entangled anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just needs to transition to a different type of relationship. Right, so right. that's just a little preview in terms of where we're going with this breakup series. Mm. So again, things we're not talking about. Let's let's get away from this language of breaking up and ending. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, yeah. just transitioning the energy into something else. I love that. Right? I love yep. that. I really do. I love that. I identify with that. Yeah. Oh, show. So, speaking of transitioning energy, <laughs> we, someone very important, transitioned their energy uh, these last two weeks. And uh, yeah. Dr. Katrina is going to, going to share with us. Yeah, y'all. I don't know if you heard, but Bell Hooks, AKA Gloria Jean Watkins, passed away on December 15th. Oh, man, when I was studying women's studies in undergrad so many years ago, it was so wonderful to be able to find her books and see a black feminist writer talk about oppression. She's so amazing. She was a public intellectual, a teacher, a writer, a cultural theorist. She wrote on intersecting oppressions of gender, race, and class. Oh, my goodness. And Bell Hooks, I, I found this out as I was researching and checking in after she had passed. Bell Hooks, she she brought that name from her maternal great-grandmother and styled it lowercase because she wanted to pay homage to her relatives with whom she shared a, a similar mind frame. And how beautiful is that to honor our ancestors in that way? And so many people now know this name, Bell Hooks, and, and they know of her and in turn of her maternal great-grandmother because of it. So she just, I'm so sad about this because she is so amazing. And I, I grabbed two quotes that really like just make me feel just so good and just, it, it's a reflection of how thoughtful she was about our systems and how they work. And the one thing that I often hear quoted and Uh, One of my friends, you know, helped me move into feminism and they quote it all the time is this like she says the imperialist white supremacist capitalistic patriarchy that right there covers it all. All of the things. Right. y'all? Like all the things that are not so good in this world. She covered in just like five words. So beautiful. 
And then um, this one, this next quote is just, uh, it just made my heart flutter. She said, the moment we choose to love, we begin to move against domination, against oppression. The moment we choose to love, we begin to move towards freedom, to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. Mm. And so she's basically like, World peace, y'all. You know, like loving other people, there's a domino effect. And if we love others, even through their negativity and their like bad times, that just reflects onto everyone else. So rest in power, Bell Hooks. Rest in power, Gloria Jean Watkins. We are thankful for your presence in this lifetime for us. And I hope that you moving into the spiritual realm and meeting up with your ancestors is as beautiful as I picture it to be. That's beautiful. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. Rest in peace. Love her. So with that, we're going to bid you all farewell. And uh, hopefully you will join us next week as we dive into part two of our breakup series. And we're going to talk about the breakup, how to dump and be dumped (laughs) with grace. (laughs) Uh, Until then, keep living and loving in color, y'all.